In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey. Welcome to EMS Office Hours. Uh, I am Jim Hoffman. This is Josh Knapp. And I'm Dave Brenner. Gentlemen, we have been away as a trio for a little bit. Um, Three amigos. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing some on-the-fly stuff and uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, resurrecting old shows from years ago. Um, that we did, Josh, with um, uh, Tim Noonan and stuff like that from the old days uh, that were popular with with the EMS community and been reposting those here and there. And They like uh, the drama of me and Tim? Well, you know what it is? I'll tell you, you know, we had just talked a little bit off, off air, uh, Josh, about, you know, bringing up money and college degrees and stuff like that. And it's funny because even though the topics and the previous podcast that I put up, right? Mm-hmm. It's stuff that's been discussed in EMS podcasts and articles and in magazines and in our podcast and over and over again, but there's always like new life because you don't realize that, you know, everyone's not glued to their computer waiting on us to, to give them the scoop. You know what I mean? What? Yeah. No, no. A, lot, a lot of other people out there, you know, they've got lives and they're busy and they don't get to hear everything. So it's always good. I think sometimes to revisit stuff. Um, and when I repost stuff from, you know, two, three years ago, it's like, it's like a brand new episode for a lot of people, you know, people that just found out about the podcast and stuff like that. So, um, well, we just, just some stuff to think about. We're not in a low turnover environment. I mean, yeah. you, know, you have, yeah, well, you have the, I, I'm not even sure I could call myself a dinosaur at this point because I work <laughs> with people who've been doing it for 30 years and I've only been doing it for a little over half that. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I know. I'm a newbie. What can you, you are a newbie. It's just, uh, I've only done this for 18 years, guys. You know, I'm really, I'm sorry. I'm trying to catch up and I learn as I go. Hmm. Yeah, I, saw, I saw an actual post on Facebook um, showing, asking what your first ambulance model and stuff was that you wrote in. And one guy had the old Hertz, uh, you know, ambulance. Hertz. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, uh, that's not a dinosaur. That's like, yeah, but that was two years ago. That's like, just stop it already. <laughs> you know, please. Think, you know, this this um, this idea of dinosaurs is, um, you know, look, we there is a undercurrent of need in all of EMS in all walks of life to sort of prove yourself to sort of differentiate yourself from the crowd, to say, yeah, you've been doing that, but I've been doing this. And I think it's, I think it's a reaction to the, uh, to the fact that we really don't get much recognition outside of, the, uh, outside of the field. I mean, sure, you know, a lot of us, pretty much our job is that, that outside interface to the emergency room. And, and yeah. the emergency room doctors and, and nurses in, in most organizations, if you've been there for a, a little while and, and, and shown a good form, know you and, and know what to expect from you. But 
all in all, you know, you still go to family gatherings and they go, and, and the standard answer is, oh, you must have seen a lot or you must have seen it all. Or yeah. the ambulance driver. Or, or my favorite, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Oh, yeah. 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 Let, me, let me really, really relive the worst nightmare that I've had in my waking adult life. Sure. Here, go. Yeah. Well, the, the funny thing for me, well, a lot of the things that I usually tell people when I hear, get that question, for me, the worst calls are never really the, the traumatic stuff or even 9-11. For me, it's always the, the kind of one-on-one call I had with a patient where I made a connection with that patient. Those seem to be the ones that stick with me the most when you get patients who are end-of-life DNR-type you know, patients. You so know? you don't mean the worst. You mean the most impactful. The most impactful, the ones that, that for me stick with me more than, than any of the, I mean, I listen, I, we all have the trauma calls and, and stuff like that that stick with us, but I always feel the ones that stick with me that have the most impact, like you said, are the ones where I make an actual connection with that person. And there's only a handful of them, believe it or not, over 20-something years, you know, close to 30 years, um, you know, where, you know, where, where I can say it had an impact. But I remember them, you know, pretty vividly, you know. So um, that's and, – and a lot of times when, when I'm asked for a story, those are the stories that I give. Hmm. And to the, to the, to the, to the um, uh, letdown of the crowd hanging on my every word. <laughs> when they're waiting for the the part about the gunshot or the you know right, right. that the arm chopped off and they get the uh well grandma she was uh, i picked her up at home and she you know, her head was split in half <laughs> <laughs> you know so it, it's just it's 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 funny like i guess the expectation of people yeah. my know, wife even and even when you give people like the the traumatic type call they don't even, I think, even can grasp really what what it was. You know, when people ask, like nine eleven, for instance, you tell them the nine eleven story, and I and I picture them envisioning in their head what they were seeing on TV, not necessarily what you were actually what we were actually going right. through. You know, actually being there, which is totally two totally different things. You know, um, so it's just it's just weird, I guess, sometimes when you get when that that question comes up at parties and you meet people for the first time and stuff and you know i've had i've actually had that recently people ask me you know that have met for the first time who say oh you must have seen a lot you know yeah i mean that's a standard that's a standard phrase of people who meet when you introduce you know what you do or what you are yeah um you know and it's um i don't know if it's just a factor of the human condition of you know, of trying to meld fact with imagination? Yeah. Or is it, you know, uh, is it just sort of polite, um, a polite uh, conversation to, to acknowledge what you do, but not really understand it or, or care to understand it? Sometimes, I, to be honest with you, Josh, I think sometimes when you get asked that question from people, especially people that are above your pay grade, and they ask you that question, it's almost like, like you said, they're kind of being polite. And, but in their mind, they're like, oh, you're just an, you're an ambulance driver. 
Right. You don't really make a lot of money and you don't really amount to a really all that much. Right. You know? Right. Well, wait a minute. I, wait a minute. We're not going to make a lot of money. No, not until <laughs> we get college degrees, Dave. <laughs> I don't think that's going to matter at all. All right. Once there you college degrees. Yeah, there then, you have it. Then uh, about a year after, every, after everyone gets degrees, about a year after, that's when the money's going to start flowing in. No, it takes more than that. Oh, okay. But that's part of it. <laughs> I, I, you know, there, there, there is that the part that I understand what you're saying. It, you know, if you increase the resume and the qualifications, um, you can, you can, you know, from society's point, attach a value to that. But the real truth of the matter for attaching value is you you need a broker you need an uh, a um uh you know somebody to stand up for you uh and and represent that to the people who'd make those decisions and until we have that i mean this is this this wraps right round to my whole thing that we you know it, ems is a noble profession it's a great if if you can call it a profession i mean a lot of people use it for their lives, but it's it's so low paid for the uh, the risks and the sacrifices required that it's it's hard to call it a profession, and that so many people who need to make a living move on from EMS into something else. You you have to wonder why why it's still around, um, and and not that there is, there isn't a need, there isn't and always will be a need to transport somebody from the field to the hospital, but why is EMS still an entity when you look at a field like nursing and nursing has gone in and expanded to everything that is hospital related until including running hospitals. Um, so, you know, there's, it, it's, you know, nursing is not just uh, picking, it's not even anymore picking up bedpans or nursing is not just starting IVs or nursing is not just giving an aspirin. I mean, you know, there are, there are nurses in the ICU who uh, teach doctors on a regular basis. You know, what do we do as a, as a profession? Well, I mean, I'm sure both of you guys have seen over the years the, the amount of um, uh, responsibilities and skills and knowledge that we've had to increase over the years um, on the ambulance, you know, protocols have, been, have gotten more advanced. The amount of drugs we give has increased, you know, in a lot of, a lot of areas, uh, skills we do has increased as well. Um, sure. so we're, you know, we're growing in that respect, but I, I just feel like we're growing, but there's no, um, no monetary improvement on it. And no, because they don't have to. Right. And, and I think, and, and, and while I, listen, I am all for a thousand and ten percent, you know, for having education, you know, but I honestly do not feel that the education is going to, is, is, is any part of a key to getting us more money. You know, I, 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 that's, yeah, that's sort of what I tried long, to intimate. As long as, as long as you've got, the people that are, you know, people are not willing to get, people that, that go and they go to college for so many years, they're expecting a payoff at the end of that. 
and not expecting to be down in the mud and, and, and stuff, dealing with drunks and homeless and grandma that fell out of bed at two o'clock in the morning and assault called where you go for the broken fingernail, you know, they're thinking, wait a minute, I was supposed to be a healthcare provider, a healthcare professional, and what I'm saying, what I, what I really am, and what and what I, I do ninety percent of the time is babysit. You know, right. I'm a, I went to school and there was no babysitting class in paramedic school. You know, it was it was a lot of MI and stroke and sepsis. And where, where the hell where are all these patients? Well, you you know you missed that day because we covered babysitting and documentation in the in this. Yeah. Uh, and and like I said, I'm all for education. I, I promote it all the time. And I'm, I'm constantly telling people to increase your knowledge base, move your knowledge needle, you know, but don't do it thinking you're going to get more money out of it. Do it because you're going to be a better provider. Do it because when it matters in the back of the ambulance, when the, that, that 10% of the population that really counts on you for that MI, for that stroke, that sepsis, whatever, you're going to know what the hell you're doing. You're not going to sit back there wondering what it is that you do. You're not going to sit back there saying to yourself, okay, well, I didn't go for extra education. I didn't go to improve my knowledge because I don't get paid a lot. It's like I went, I went to education. I went to improve my knowledge because I want to be a better provider and I want to make a difference when that time comes. And it's going to come. We've all been in that, that thing. I mean, I, When I first became a medic, I must have went about – three, four months before I have my first cardiac arrest as a medic. Right. So when I did, it was a, it was a 14-year-old, you know. So yeah. the, the things you think might not happen because you see so much of the nonsense, the real stuff does happen, you know. It's just a matter of time. Well, you know, Jim, you and I have been kicking this around for almost 10 years, and, and the three of us have been doing this at least – a five i'm guessing you know dave you joined us a while ago now yeah and, and you know i am curious to the advice you give when you get approached you're sitting in the ambulance or you're you're at some place and you're in uniform and some young person comes up uh, or maybe even an older person comes up and says well and let me let me back up it's more towards the people who are starting a career, not looking for, you know, some other thing to do. So let's focus on, you know, somebody starting their career, younger person. And, and they say, Oh, I want to get into EMS. It looks like a great uh, thing to do. What's your advice to them? What do you tell them? Because I know what, uh, you know, I was just in the, in the uh, critical care uh, ambulance the other day and we got approached and I listened to what my partner said and it would be verbatim what I would say. But I'm curious to what you guys, uh, uh, you guys go first. I'll tell you what my answer is. After. Ah. <laughs> I'm just, well, I, Dave, you want to go first? And well, I can tell you that I always won my EMT students, that this is not a profession that makes ample money if you stay an ambulance-based EMT or paramedic. That the way it is right now, it's hard to make a living, especially to raise a family in this position. So the good news is there's 168 hours in a week and they'll let you work every single one of them. Sure. 
Um, but I, I don't think that's a good. I, I think that's it, actually a negative, not of necessarily it's a positive. Uh, you know. That's called sarcasm. Oh, okay. Sarcasm is one of my free services. Okay. But um, no charge. I should have recognized. But that. but but you know, you, you speak to anybody who's a medic. How many how many jobs are they working? At least two. Most of them. At least two. I know people working for five different employers. Sure. So, so. I, yeah, I them work as they can get. I know people who work two full-time jobs and a per diem job. Yep. I mean, I did that sure. when I was in medic. When I was in med school, that's, that's what I was doing. I was working two full-time jobs and a per diem job. You know. And so my my advice is not is not inappropriate. It's not even incorrect. The right. the the fact of the matter is that the way things stand right now, you really can't make a good living. But what do, you, what do you tell them as far as direction, Dave? Well, I, I do tell them that if you go into this, there are strategies for making money in EMS, if that's what you want to do. Listen, you're, if you're a full-time uh, paramedic instructor you can, or EMT instructor at a college, a community college, you can make, you make what professors make. You know, and depending upon where you are, that can the, be the problem. Very little. It can be a lot. That that that's ladder. one example. Wait, wait. I also told people that in the past I used to make a lot of money teaching CPR. I can't do it any, anymore because it's mind numbing. I said, but if you want to, you go out and buy yourself the mannequins and you start advertising that you can do it. And I will tell you that three students in the first EMT class that I taught at LaGuardia Community College did exactly that. They've opened up a storefront in Brooklyn and they're making way more money teaching CPR and first aid and ACLS and PALS than you make as a paramedic. They, you know, you, you make 50, 75, 85, a hundred dollars, a hundred and a quarter an hour. Right. You can make a lot more. That's, and that's what instructors get. But when you own the store, you can right. make a lot more. Right. Sure. And they are doing that. Well, but, but that, you know, that's, you know, that's sort of indirect there. That's starting your own business. Yeah, as it's that's own, hard to do. Has its own pitfalls and challenges. Absolutely. Sure, I mean, sure. You know, look at both Jim and I. We both have started our own businesses. We, we slave over them. And sometimes the payoffs are pretty good. And sometimes the payoffs are pretty. Well, that was, that was choice too. The first one I said was instruction. You know, full-time instruction, not part-time instruction. The other one is private business teaching that generic, uh, the stuff that everybody, that the nurses, the doctors, the LPNs, the uh, respiratory terrorists, that, that, that everybody needs. You know, the CPR, the ACLS, the PALS. You teach that, you can make, you can make some substantial money. I know people making well over $300,000 a year doing just that. Just that. Um, but... That's not what everybody's doing. If you, and not everybody wants to do that. You don't go into EMS because you want to be a teacher. But, right. So un, unless there is going to be a paradigm change where EMS all by itself can get, get you the salary that nurses can get, then there's always going to have to be alternatives. And, oh, I, and I think that that's never going to be a possibility, never. And, and a reason I use that type of strong language is because there is just, we have a real narrow slice of the pie with very small opportunity or even possibility to expand that slice. Whereas if we look in nursing, 
and look at what they have done. You know, now I, let me, I'll, I'll step back a half a step saying the community, community paramedic is something that is showing some level of promise in terms of being able to expand. But again, it's still all patient interfacing. It's not really administrative. And until you get into administrative, you're never going to get into uh, the real money. And then there is administrative, people who want to run ambulance divisions in hospitals. And in general, in general, when you're a director or an assistant director in a hospital, you have degrees because almost all of them do. Uh -huh. um, but I'm, I'm just saying, if, if we, if all of EMS were to suddenly disappear and nursing were to take over the ambulance, they would get paid what nurses get paid. Right. Oh, yeah. Thank and I'm you. not saying that nurses in general are equipped to take over the ambulance as they're trained, but if they were trained to do what we do, they would get paid. But we're not, we're not equipped to do what nurses do, and what do we do? We go to nursing classes. We become nurses. I mean, so may, a very popular pathway in order to make a living where you can raise a, ch a child, where you can uh, retire where you can educate yourself, educate your children, go on a vacation, comes from the nursing world, right? You know, I mean, that's where the real, that's where money that even surpasses, I would challenge in the nursing world, especially in the higher, uh, uh, in the higher levels of it, challenge that, you know, if you open up a storefront and teach CPR for a living. It's also, it's I think, on that. becoming a nurse too, Josh, I think is the least, the least path of resistance to increasing your salary. I agree. Uh, because yes. you've already got a pretty good knowledge of, of what nurses know and what they do. And so you kind of have a leg up when you go into nursing school. So it's like the least path of resistance that you're going to have. And then to automatic, to pretty much automatically get a decent salary coming out of, coming out of. School. You ever notice Jim? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah Dave does. You, you ever notice that, you know, you when you're talking to people who are looking to become nursing and stuff like that, they pull out the negative of, well, you don't have the same auton autonomy that you do as a paramedic in the field. You really get to diagnose and treat. Where nursing, you really don't, you know, you're, you're dependent on somebody else's diagnosis and treatment plan and stuff like that. However, have you ever heard the guys or the girl, women who were paramedics and then finally did that transition and went to nursing and they say that have they said to you well i don't like that i have no autonomy but i, I make better money yes I've never oh i have never heard that honestly i've well, heard i've had i've known a, i know a paramedic who uh was a became a pa and got off the truck to do the pa stuff in the emergency department and he hated it Went back on the went back as a paramedic. Really, he hated the fact of of like you said, he didn't have a lot of you know uh, autonomy. autonomy there, and he hated the fact that he was doing a lot of the work doctors didn't want to do. Um, and he went and went and going back on the ambulance and went did the PA thing sort of part time, you know. Um, but again, you go back to what you go back to now. You're working two jobs, right? Because the paramedic isn't enough. You know, right. um, I, I'm not sure I, uh, on my feelings on that right now. Let me digest that. I, that's the first I've heard of that type of 
transition. Yeah, and I've heard, you know, and, and listen, a lot, and like Josh, you mentioned the community paramedicine thing. It, that I feel is something that, that, that seems to have some popularity, growing popularity and stuff, but you've got to have the administration and money behind it to keep it going. And I'm also interested what's going to happen with a lot of, yeah, a lot of that community paramedicine thing, you know, a lot of the, the first year or whatever of that is, is done, you know, based on a grant somebody got. And then when the grant money runs out, they kill it or they cut it back, you know? Right. Um, but unless you know, the only places that are sustaining that are the, are the hospitals, the yeah. hospital based yes. uh, community paramedicine that can show a direct right. uh, decrease in, in, Oh yeah. In, in they, returns and you know, people, uh, uh, people needing more, uh, stuff that's not going to get reimbursed because they went back to the house and they right. made sure that okay. they weren't infected and they're making money with visiting nurses too, except you can pay a community paramedic a lot less than a visiting nurse. And I think it's, it's a, it's a different, you know, the, the, I think that's where the, 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 I guess the, the challenge with the community paramedicine lies is that, well, why are we paying paramedics to do that? We can just pay a visiting nurse to do that. You know, uh, or why nurses don't, you know, the nursing, uh, whatever you want to call it, I guess the, the PR arm of the nursing you know, profession starts complaining that, well, why are we having paramedics doing our job, doing the visiting nurse job? Yeah, I think the argument is, uh, is opposite of what you presented, is that why pay a nurse to do that job when we can pay a paramedic? Well, yeah, that's, that's, well, that's what David said. That's going to be the hospital's argument, right? Because they're going to be paying less to a community paramedic than they would a nurse. And I mean, I know a hospital by me that's you know, a pretty big hospital. From what, from what I've talked to the, the, the guy that runs it, he was telling me the hospital is saving, you know, millions of dollars by doing that. You know, they're saving all this money by not having people return to the, the hospital. Um, and that, that, that's keeping the program going. You know, they, they, the hospital base, like Dave said, the hospital base ones, they, they can see the benefit pretty quick, I think. Because the, the, the program that I, that I know of, you know, what, it was just one, and I know that it's grown, you know, um, from what it was. Yes. So, I, yeah, and I know, yeah, and there's I other mean, places, and, you know, Dave, you're talking about, you know, teaching and other ways to, to do things as a, as a paramedic or an EMT. And I know that there's, there's the hospitals that hire medics as, you know, in the ER as, as uh, you know, in a tech sort of uh, role. Um, hire them for, you know, to do triage, you know, stuff like that. So there's online and I know medics that have done, gone that path and end up getting promoted to other, you know, to supervisory type positions from that role, like getting their foot in the door in an emergency department or getting their foot in the door, you know, as a medic doing the hospital based stuff and then getting getting uh you know uh, uh promoted based on their knowledge and based on how they present themselves as professionals and stuff like that but what ends up happening is that eventually 
they're not paramedics anymore. Now they become administrators. You know, I mean, I know, I know EMS administrators who were paramedics, were administrator of the ambulance department, and then left that and became like, part, you know, head of security for the hospital, head of the right, um, you know, head of 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 uh, what are uh, uh, you know housekeeping for the hospital. So they've 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 merged to other parts of the hospital away from you know from the ambulance part you know so they, they were a medic became the the administrator for the you know for the ambulance and then once they're in and they're in that they're in that door of you know being inside the uh the hospital infrastructure they can prove to them they can prove to people who see them that okay i'm not just some dumb paramedic shuffling papers as, as the the ambulance director I'm also intelligent and and I can present myself as a professional and I know what I'm doing and I can take on more responsibilities and, and do other things other than just stuff that relate to uh, EMS. And that's, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of administrators, you know, go that route, you know? So the, and like you said, David, I think, I think what people coming in need to think of is, as I guess, I guess the long game, you know, don't expect you're going to be a paramedic and then, you know, in, in two years, you're going to be, you know, a big administrator someplace, you know, that stuff takes time and experience can and, I, and more education. Can I boil that down to a single idea is that don't look at uh, being an EMT or paramedic as a career. Well, I mean, listen, you've got people, you know, Josh, who are in, you know, some, some in some places where the it's the 20 and out type mentality i'm going to be a medic well, for 20 that, years, yeah. 25 years and i'm retire and that's that's where that, that's coming from that's different because then you have a task related job that has a, a a a start middle and end already built into it you know when you have those jobs where it's 20 and out they're at 20 and out because that's when you get to draw on your pension Right. Or that's when, you know, that's, uh, you know, and that is for a lot of these uh, uh, first responder type of jobs that that is the, the the surrounding package to it. I mean, look at cops or firemen. Yeah. So I don't think that that changes the argument that EMS is not a career because it's, you know, for the cops or the firemen, it's generally uh, the lower paid of the three. Um, or if you conclude sanitation, the lower pay, lowest well, paid. Well, no, EMS is different. That's why we get paid less. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for those of us that are out of state listening to this podcast, that was a direct uh, retort to our fine mayor here in New York City who when uh, asked why is there not uh, pay equity among EMS with fire and police, he said because uh, their job is different. Their work is different. Yeah. EMS work is different. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, you know, once again, we're not going to uh, solve that conundrum mm-hmm. on the podcast. It's just, I think sometimes it's nice to talk about it, you know, kind of keep the conversation flowing. Also kind of let people coming in or, or you know, people who might be stuck maybe opening their eyes or giving them some direction or some thought. It's not new. Yeah. Giving them some thought on what their options might be or, 
you know, what their options might not be if, if you know, they're looking for something more immediate, you know. Um, so. Yes, sir. And just to throw just a little stuff before you close this, it sounds like we're winding down. There are places where there are pre-hospital registered nurses. What do you mean? Yeah, I've heard that. Yes. And there are states in this country that recognize um, RNs with special training. There are, there are schools. Um, there is... Um, you need to work on the ambulance talking about? In yes. Pennsylvania, they take RNs. They give them ACLS, PALS, ITLS, the you know, International Trauma Life Support, and the EVOC. Or something tantamount to that. And they put... For, for long distance, for long distance uh, transport or critical care transport, there are some states that only allow nurses to do that. In New Jersey, oh, yeah. you can't you can't do a critical care transport without a nurse on board. Yeah, I was just going to say when I was when I worked in New Jersey, the, the ambulance department I, company I worked for, they would hire nurses, but the nurse was also a paramedic, but they were primarily used for the critical care transports. However. If a 911 job came up, that was a that was a a high level emergency, you know, uh, chest pain, cardiac arrest, stuff like that. They would dispatch that nurse and their EMT, you know, to that call. Mm -hmm. And the nurses weren't happy about it because they were like, "Well, I'm just here for a critical transport. I'm not here to get on my hands and knees and do CPR." Mm -hmm. You know, um, and that kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier about you know being having that willingness to get down there and do the job, you know, despite how high your education might be, it, because it is a job. And here's how funky those rules and laws get, is that when you're in New York and you're transporting to New Jersey, you must wait for a New Jersey certified am, uh, uh, transport ambulance with a nurse on board to come and pick you up and your patient. Now, even though you have the initial patient contact, the packaging, the care and maintenance of that patient um, the law requires that a nurse go with you. Yeah. Even though, and they basically just sit in the corner and because they're not familiar with your vents, they're not familiar with your pumps or the equipment or the drugs that you're running or right. what they didn't get a handoff from the uh, nursing staff that you picked up the patient with, but they have to be there. Whereas if you go with, Go nurses, ahead. The nurses have always known how or figured out how to deal with the politics of our of our system. Yeah. Yeah. That, that didn't come from a legislator. That came from you can be sure that came from a group of nurses. Of and the nurses, the nurses yeah. have changed legislation to require that they have associate degrees, to require BSNs. They, they made their MSNs, they made their MPs, they got the doctorate in nursing. Uh, I am telling you, when we ignore what the nurses have done, we will continue to do what we are doing. If we make no changes, this conversation will be as relevant in 20 years as it is today. And I think that's, uh, Dave, you know, I think that's part of, the, part of the issue is that we've been having this conversation as long as I can remember being in EMS, this this argument about education and, and, and how it's gonna, you know, somehow get us higher pay and stuff like that. And I and I have not really seen it change. I've seen more responsibility getting piled on, on EMS. I've seen more 
you know, coal volume going high with less crews being out on the street. I've seen, you know, stuff like that happening, but no real, you know, as far as this, I don't know, this magic. We haven't changed, you you have not changed the laws about being, right now, I don't know what state, you know, what every other state has, but right now, almost every state says, high school diploma, you can be a paramedic. Continue saying that, continue saying that, and I believe you will not see the growth you're looking for. Yeah. Do you, I mean, honestly, do you think that that's the only blockade, Dave? I mean, I think you know, that, I, I'm telling you, go look at the history of nurses and see what they've done. If Listen, we can fight this but, all you want. As long as we stay where we are, and we've been fighting, and we've been having this argument with me, all right, for at least five, six years, I've seen zero growth for you guys. There's nothing on your side. Nothing. There's nothing to support that if we always do what we've always done, we're going to get more salary. If we make some change, nothing will happen. Look, there's no doubt in that education is a component. But I really further that with the idea that as long as we remain outside the the emergency room doors and we stay on the you know the 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 the, uh, the street side of that, we also no matter what edge you could walk around with a doctorate in paramedicine, no, still won't move past those until doors. it's mandated. If they if. If we were to find a way to work with the nurses, not against them, but to work with them, to say we want to be, we want to be able to find a career as a registered nurse paramedic, we will do what we need to do to be part of the nurses because they figured it out. Well, but that's that's. But I think I think part of it, guys, is that they figured it out, but they. But I think a lot of it is the the perception of what they do versus what we do. It's, it's not only that. I, I'm not talking about changing our job. What 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 does a midwife do or a nurse anesthetist do? They do what they do. We would be a pre-hospital registered nurse, and we would be doing a job for a registered nurse in a pre-hospital environment. Listen, yes, if, if you're a midwife, that, sometimes you got to wipe the tuchus, yeah, you know? Right. Yeah. It just, you have to do it. But you're still, as a midwife, you're still a specialty. As an anesthetist, you're still a specialty. I want to be a specialty. But if you need to break out of that specialty, you still have other pathways to go. I mean, essentially what I'm trying to draw is the dynamic between the inside and the outside of those emergency room doors. Inside those emergency room doors, you have the entire hospital and its entire reach. Outside the emergency room doors, you have the street. And I think that that's almost, you know, you take a plant and you put it in a small pot to grow it. It's only going to get so large. If you put it into a larger pot to grow it, it has more area can spread its roots and it can do all sorts of things that it was because it's no longer limited. Until we get past those, that barrier of those emergency room doors, which I don't think we'll do without that joining you know, in some manner, form, or relationship, joining the nurses. 
All right. Now we're in agreement. Getting those. Now we're in agreement. I want to stay outside. I do want to stay outside. And uh, I but agree. outside is not a forever position. On a on a on a floor is not a forever position. In the emergency room, it's not. I, I'm sorry. I disagree. You can work a 36 or 40 hour week as an ER nurse. If, if you're there three years, you're making $120,000 a year. You're not doing 60, you know, you're not doing 80 hours a week. You're not doing 100 hours a week as so many of our colleagues are doing. You are, you are getting a full salary and you're getting some decent support. Many, listen, I know there are places that don't treat their nurses well, but I, I'm telling you, the nurses are not working for $30 an hour. That's not what they're getting paid. They are making full salaries. They are, you know, livable salaries. And it, there's no comparison. You look at a three-year, four-year nurse on a med floor, not the most exciting place to be. No. Right? They're not in critical care. They're not coming into the emergency room. They come in. There's a health plan. We got to do what we got to do. And they're getting paid. Yep. $120,000 a year for a 40-hour week. Yeah, but they're, but they're also, Dave, they're not, they're, they're, the environment that they're working in is something I think that plays a part in it. You know, yes, pe people yeah, nah, are, yes and no, but yes and no. We, yes we and have no to but I just feel like, I feel people that are going to go and, and get not because now you're talking about the pre-hospital, you know, RN, right? So you're going to be an RN and you're going to have to know the, um, you know, the, the, the pre-hospital end of it. Right. So yeah. here it is, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, go pick up, you know, the, 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 the regular drunk you get all the time. All the time yeah. Right. Why, yeah. Are they, why are they going to do that when they can just be a nurse? On a floor? And, and yeah, it may be. Why are you doing it? Wait a second. Dan. Why are you doing it? I don't mind picking up a drunk. I got run into it. In the street. There, there is a certain energy that you can't uh, replicate indoors. It's just Absolutely. You know, so there is an aspect of the career. The trouble is, is this dichotomy that we have between what we do and get paid for and what you, when you move inside those doors. And Listen, when you bring, when you bring the alcoholic for the fourth time that week into the same emergency room, the nurses often respond poorly. And I've seen medics respond poorly. That is yeah. just an unprofessional response. Listen, they get in the emergency room. There are, there are aspects of an emergency room that are not emergencies. They're urgent care. Of course. They're, yeah. Fast track. They're, they're abused. They're abused. We, you know, the people are coming in because they're starving. Unfortunate that people have to do that. They have to say they're sick to get a meal or they're freezing. They got to go somewhere warm. So they say they're sick. That's unfortunate in our society. But that being the case, you can, the nurses are getting good money. Some of them have exciting jobs, more exciting jobs. Some of them have less exciting jobs. I think EMS is, is, has the potential for both. And I do it and I don't even get paid. And I love doing it. And I don't care if, if they're drunk, if they're not drunk, if, it, if it's serious, if it's not serious. But if, if I needed to do this for a living, I would need $120,000 a year. And I would need not to be away from my family forever. I would need to be able to have a private life. Uh, and, and right now, 
that path isn't working. The nurses got a path that's working. If you were a nurse medic, you'd be on the road no more than 40 hours a week to get your base salary. They, you'd get mandated as much as, medic, as nurses get mandated, and they do. Um, you'd have things to complain about because what's the point of having a field if you can't complain about it? And, and listen, just like any other, uh, any other profession, any other job, when you're making a certain amount of money, if you have the opportunity to make a little bit more and you yes. have time to do it, you take that opportunity. There are nurses that work 80 hours a week, 100 yes. hours a week. Yes. They're taking down four times what an average medic or EMT takes. Yes. So then we agree. The only way to fix this field is for us to become nurse medics. So on that note, <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, listen, I think there is a way there, that that is a path. Uh, um, if we can't do it on our own, if we can't establish the path ourselves, as long as we are just, as long as you can hire a kid, who's, we just did. We, we had to defer hiring a kid, a 20-year-old paramedic, because he wasn't old enough for us to have him insured. <laughs> to drive the ambulance. So, you know, as long as you can hire a kid with a high school diploma and he's a paramedic or she's a paramedic, you are going to be hiring high school graduates. Right, right. And yeah. I just, I think there is something in that. And, and we can, and I'm not saying that everybody who's already a medic, I'm not disregarding what they are. And some of them are fabulous, fabulous. It's, it's just that the field needs to grow. And if, we're, if you're not suggesting a viable path for it to grow, why does everybody put down a path that is already proven for the nurses? Yeah. I would be a PA in pre-hospital care. That would be great. And by the way, the nurses have the autonomy. The uh, PAs and NPs have autonomy. And wait till you see what the nurses are doing. They're leaving the PAs behind. The nurses have autonomy now in the VA hospitals. The only thing they need a doctor for, I think, is is for uh, controlled substances. Yeah, I mean, the, that's what I was saying earlier about the autonomy. That I've never, I've never heard anybody who, once they get into it, really bitch about the lack of autonomy. They well, have protocols the same way we do. They have consultations the same way we do. They have, but they're right there. It's right there. Right. They have more resources than we have, too. Right. Well, you know, point taken. So wrapping this to full circle, when somebody approaches my ambulance store and asks me to roll down the window, tap, tap, tap. Oh, I have a question for you, sir. I'm a new EMT. I'm a new, I'm thinking of getting into paramedics. I, I was just wondering, what do you think about, you know, this as a career and such like that? What's your answer? Live poor, but live well. <laughs> I say, I, I, I hate to say this. I hate to say this because I love the profession. I love the work. I hate to say this, but what I say is don't. Don't do it. Go to nursing. Don't waste a second here. If you want to do it, you can volunteer, which is another side to that. I don't hear about volunteer nurses, but, you know, hey. That's, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're, let's wrap it up, guys. So I know Dave's on a timeline, so uh, I'm on the timeline. I have, I have a coaching thing to do at 132. I got to prep for that. So, Good for you. Um, uh, so let's wrap that up, guys. Uh, have a life. Hopefully we can we can uh, 
keep up, get this back on track, and get some of these regular podcasts going. Um, and of course, any, if anyone listening, you know, you have comments, uh, questions about the, the show, be sure to post them in the, the notes below. Send me an email. It's, it's uh, admin at emsseo.com. Um, and also, if, if you have, you know, you've been in EMS for a while and you're on a career path and you've, you know, made it in EMS doing certain things, let us know what you did, you know, what, what path you took to, you know, to make more money. We'd love to hear that. Yeah, exactly. Because every you know, there's places in the country that you know we might not know about that there might be other ways to to expand and and uh, you know get more out of this EMS uh, life. You could even join us on this podcast and and uh, oh, yeah. you know get your experiences out there. Yeah, we're always looking for for guest speakers to come on and join us and uh, rattle the cage a little bit. There's big uh, money in this podcast, right? Yeah, there's as much money as there is in volunteering. Dave. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I have to. Fact, after we're we're going to double your salaries today. Pretty much after we're done here, after we're done with this recording, I have to go outside and burn some money in the barrel. Have too much. <laughs> well, gotta, you know, just a little quick uh, plug for that. You know, uh, for people who are just tuning in or first starting to listen, Jim is the author of uh, an entire medic website, an EMT website on skills and tests. Um, and I'll, I'll let him speak to that. But I make uh, a I make an oxygen wrench. If you're still using a wrench to open your oxygen bottles, go to o2wrench.com and get the best one made ever. Absolutely. All right, um, Dave, you have anything coming up before we head out? Uh, not, nothing on a national level to talk about right now. All right. Local. All right. All right, guys. Um, that's it. As always, uh, I am Jim Hoffman. Josh Knapp. Dave Brenner. All right. Stay safe. <laughs>